and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. Today's topic, DOD says no to UFO FOIA. That's correct, the DOD has turned down a FOIA request from theblackvault.com in regards to ATIP and UFO sightings. Now, we got into this whole thing a little bit last week with the recent tweets from George Knapp talking about his fear that Louis Elizondo was yet again being thrown under the bus by the DOD and also by a responding tweet from John Greenwald at theblackvault.com where it seemed to imply that he would have more information coming around on Monday. Well, he didn't disappoint. And not only did he have uh, correspondence about the FOIA request he'd made, he has an excellent article explaining what's going on. And if you're hopeful for disclosure from the DOD, I'm going to give you a a spoiler right now and tell you that the future is not looking that bright. And I want to compare the article that Greenwald came out with uh, Monday, actually. I want to compare the stance of the DOD regarding the UFO phenomenon today and some of the stuff they were saying almost exactly a year ago, well, maybe 11 and a half months. And it involves some of the same players. So you really have to ask ourselves, what's going on with this uh, 180 they're doing on UFO disclosure. Now, this article from Greenwald says, Evidence of UF, evidence of U.S. Navy involvement in UFO program may have been destroyed. Now, this all revolves around the fact that we have so many, uh, so many different agencies, bureaucracies, task force, whatever, working on the same thing. And so the case with ATIP, we have them working under the auspices of the Defense Department. At the same time, the Navy has their own uh, UFO uh, investigations going on. There seems to be some kind of an overlap here. And now that the Navy apparently is no longer going to be in charge of this task force, we're being told that a lot of their data, a lot of the work they've done has just simply been destroyed, or some people think may have been moved on to other departments or even into uh, the hands of private companies. So in effect, a FOIA no longer does any good. This stuff's been tossed down a black hole, apparently. Now, it says here, in April of 2020, the Department of Defense, DOD, shocked the world by releasing three videos they considered unidentified aerial phenomena, or UAPs. Although the three videos had already leaked and had been in the public domain for years, the official release of them represented a continued aura of transparency surrounding the UFO issue by the Navy, when all other military branches had been primarily silent on the issue. However, it appears that transparency may have morphed back into a shroud of secrecy. A string of Freedom of Information Act FOIA requests filed by the Black Vault one which recently went through the appeal process may have completely crushed the hopes that the Navy would reveal startling new information about their connection to the Pentagon's UFO study known as AATIP or ATIP. This two and a half year effort by the Black Vault may also foreshadow future secrecy which may surround the recently announced UAP task force. I just want to interject here. They're talking about those three videos that released. Remember, I'm going to say it for the 101th time, those things were released outside the chain of custody to the New York Times, who then released them to former head of ATIP, Louis Elizondo, who then posted them online. 
And I have to wonder if some of the secrecy that we're not coming into right now is maybe somebody got their toes stepped on a little bit by those videos being released the way that they were released. I'm not saying that any laws were broken, but it seems maybe, I'm thinking maybe, that somewhere in that deep state hierarchy, somebody is not happy that they weren't consulted about the release of those things. I have to wonder if that's not at the heart of what's going on here. This need to control, this need to control the chain of custody. Seems like somebody has a almost a personal grudge against Elizondo, but they don't want to call him out. They don't want to come out and say, hey man, he got these videos from the New York Times and that's not correct. Maybe they're doing the same thing, I don't know, but it almost seems like he's being punished for receiving these things outside of the normal channels. Now, once again, I'm not implying that he did anything illegal, but I'm starting to get the feeling that somebody got their feelings hurt. And there's a little bit of a back and forth on here, where you have a certain group of people that do want to release some stuff, but then you have some people that feel maybe a little bit insulted by the way things were done, and they keep they keep pushing back. So we have this kind of almost like a tug of war going on, from my viewpoint. Now Greenwald continues. He says the Navy's involvement in the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, or ATIP, was first revealed in February of 2018. In an interview with Louis with Louis Elizondo, the man who says he ran the secret UFO study, he called out the Navy specifically as one of the sources for UFO case files that he utilized while working within the Pentagon. Well, that would make sense because those three videos that Elizondo released online, okay, those came from the Navy, but we don't know exactly how they got from the Navy. To Louis, so maybe these videos got to him somehow. Well, if he was out of there in 2012, but he was still there in 2004 or five when the first one came out, maybe, maybe these things made it through a chain of custody that he was familiar with, and somehow that was made available to him. We're really not getting clarity on this. ATEP receives the cases from various different channels, so where our office set at the top of the office of the Secretary of Defense. We had multiple avenues of approach, Elizondo said, in a recorded video to Open Minds TV. So you had, in some cases, reporting would come up through Navy channels. In other cases, it would come up through Air Force channels. In other cases, it would come through the intelligence community. And as a focal point, if you will, for this capability, all roads, I guess, lead to Rome in this particular case, all roads led to our office regarding the phenomena. I have to say that makes sense, and I really believe him when he says this, because he was physically sitting in the Pentagon, the headquarters of the Department of Defense. These are the guys that are running everything. And we've seen under Trump, whether it's at his order or it's in response to sometime, somehow collectively act against him, we've seen a major concentration of power happen in the Department of Defense. All these different programs are being streamlined to go through one uh, hierarchy as it is. You're seeing uh, multiple programs that used to be spread around between the Air Force, the different branches of the military, Air Force, Navy, Army, whoever. You're seeing these things being being eliminated and being reorganized uh, so that it's all done singularly through the Defense Department. And that's pretty much exactly what 
Elizondo saying. He had access to all this stuff. I have to believe the man. It says, using this testimony, the Black Vault filed FOIA request DON-NAVY-2018-005476 on March 15, 2018 with the Navy. Within weeks, the request yielded a denial that any records existed pertaining to ATIP. The letter claimed that not a single photograph, video, report, letter, or memo existed within the Navy's possession that was supplied to, sent to, or received from the ATIP program, which operated within the Pentagon. Wow, sounds like a wholesale house-cleaning job. Almost like when the CIA comes in and cleans out a place, you know. I mean, they just took everything. Although no appeal was filed by the Black Vault at the time, another shred of evidence presented itself in September of 2019 when Swedish researcher and journalist Roger Glassell received a statement from the Navy. The ATEP program involved offices from across the Department of Defense, including Navy spokesperson Joseph Gratisher, told Glassell. Joseph Grasher told Glassell, details remain classified. For additional information, I would refer you to the Department of Defense. Okay, let's read that again. The ATIP program involved offices from across the Department of Defense, including Navy. Spokesperson Joseph Gratisher told Glassell. Now, we're going to talk about Joseph Gratisher in just a minute, because I want, I, want I want to let you look at an interview he did about a year ago. Details remain classified for additional information. I would refer you to the Department of Defense. Now, apparently this happened in 2019. Now, it says this statement offered a second irrefutable piece of evidence which, which came from the Navy itself that ATIP and the Navy worked hand-in-hand in some capacity while the program was running. So within days of the statement being given to the glass hole, the Black Vault refiled the request previously denied, in which the Navy spokesperson statement was added as an additional proof that records should exist. That request was identified as FOIA case Don Navy 2019-01490. Despite the new evidence, the second request yielded the same denial as the first. Well, it seems likely that the Navy and ATIP did work together. Remember uh, when we were talking about uh, that first uh, video? I think it was at first called FLIR 1, and then uh, the pilot, Fravor, uh, David Fravor, referred to it as Tic Tac. Remember how they talked about how the video, the cockpit video, along with all the radar, uh, was stored on basically a big fat memory stick, like the size of a brick? And how a couple people showed up on one of the uh, ships there, from a, landed on a helicopter, and took all of the data involved with that encounter. I mean, could that have been a tip landing on that on that Navy ship, taking all of that information, all of the data, the video of that first UFO encounter back in what 2005? And in fact, could have that. Could that have been Louis Elizondo? Could he have been a Men in Black doing that? We still we do not have clarity on this, and it seems like when we get close to to uh, really uncovering the facts here, that's when things tighten up. And just like we we're talking about yesterday, just like a boa constrictor, they release a little, then they tighten back up again. And this this denial of FOIA to Greenwall is just right. It, it, it's right and right in that wheelhouse. Now here it says. 
continuing with, with the article, it says, It took much longer to deny the second go-around, but this request was also given a no-records determination by the Navy. However, this time the Black Vault appealed the decision and filed appeal case Navy-2020-00752. Armed with Navy spokesperson Gratisher's statement and with Elizondo's added testimony, it was felt that between the two, grounds for an appeal were met, that a proper search was not done and responsive records should exist. You see what's going on here? It's like ATIP's being run off the books. It's almost like one of those top secret CIA, CIA operations. They're just running it off the books, no records. That's what it seems like. Armed with Navy spokesperson Gratish's statement and with Elizondo's added testimony, it was felt that between the two, grounds for an appeal were met that a proper search was not done and responsive records should exist. The appeal was processed, and just like the request which came before it, it was denied. However, with a FOIA appeal, denials are not simply no records determinations, whether they offer much more detail, case law, and citations on why a case is denied. This additional legalese is due to the fact that the next step beyond an appeal is litigation. So agencies, along with their lawyers, often try to do their try to dot their I's and cross their T's when it gets to this point. Although many FOIA cases related to ATIP have come up empty, and many are still pending, this particular FOIA appeal denial represents the first seeking ATIP records that the Black Vault is aware of. With it, the Navy has likely set a legal precedent on how certain pieces of information are handled when submitted to the DOD within a FOIA request case, and a precedent does not offer a promising future for transparency and openness on the UAP issue. Well, I've been saying that for a little while. Quote, Your appeal is a request for a final agency determination under the FOIA. For the reasons set forth below, I must deny your appeal. E.J. Osterhaus from the General Litigation Division of the Judge Advocate General's Office said in the letter, what followed were the brutally dry re details on why this appeal was denied, and it is with those details that make this all incredibly relevant for future research endeavors seeking information related to ATIP. And then it says breaking down the denial. When an appeal is filed, you outline why you feel the agency did not do their lawful duty for, of researching for records. There are other reasons to appeal, though not relevant here. In this particular case, this is called an appeal of the adequacy of the search after the Black Vault outlined Alizana's testimony along with the Navy's statement in the appeal itself. The Office of the Judge Advocate General then broke down each point and refuted it within their response. First address was the statement by the Navy spokesperson, which stated that the Navy had a role within the ATIP. Osterhaus claimed that they could not verify that statement. After receiving your appeal, my office researched that quote and found no evidence Mr. Gratisher made that statement, the letter outlined. Even if he did, ATIP involvement by the Navy does not otherwise undermine a reasonable search, nor does it require the Navy to actually send records to ATIP, unquote. Greenwald says, this seemingly odd part, the seemingly odd part, the seemingly odd part of this is that the Navy could not even confirm what the Navy had already said to ensure no stance by the Navy or DOD had changed since that has happened before the Black Vault wrote the Pentagon to ensure the statement received by Glassell was not only genuine but still represented the current stance of the department. 
It took only four. It took only hours for the department to respond. While Joe Gratisher is aware is away from the office. Now remember that name, Joe Gratisher, is away from the office. I can confirm that he did provide that A5 response to Roger Glassell in September 2019, and it, and it is an accurate statement. Spokesperson Susan Gal said in July 21st, 2020, dated email. Okay, and we're back to the whole denial of the ATIP thing with Miss Gal and with this gratitude. And remember what happened the last time? Oh, they're mistaken. You know, uh, they didn't know what they were saying. They didn't lie. So here we're going from saying, yes, ATIP existed back in July and back in September of 2019 to now saying, oh, no, nope, 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 Elizondo's got nothing to do with that. He goes on and says, it is unclear why the Navy could not do the same to verify the statement, but alas, even if they did verify it, they already dismissed the relevance of it. Second, they addressed the testimony of Elizondo. Here the Navy reiterated a much contested and very controversial aspect to the saga. The DOD denies Elizondo ever had assigned responsibilities on the program, and he did not serve as the director. So there we are, back and forth. Yes, Louis was here. Yes, Louis was the director. And now, come here a minute. They grab Louis. They throw him from the curb in front of the bus again. I mean, how much of this can we watch? It says, you argue that Louis Elizondo, a supposed former director of ATIP, stated the organization received records from the various military services and therefore Navy records must exist, the letter outlined. However, the Department of Defense specifically has stated Mr. Elizondo never served as the director of ATIP, and his statements are pure speculation that do not otherwise undermine the IDA search. Wow. Although this is not a new claim by the DOD, and Elizondo has addressed this prior. The Black Vault reached out to Elizondo for another response and reaction. His comments are published here in full and unedited to ensure his voice is heard on the matter. And I remember this is Elizondo speaking. It says, quote, I'm greatly disappointed but not surprised when the U.S. government's last resort is to refer a single-sourced opinion article you know their position is getting desperate. This response is clearly a vindictive effort by some in the Pentagon to inflict retribution on myself and others for speaking the truth to the American people. Uh-huh. Well, you know what I think it is also? I think it's also the response. Is it maybe a vindictive response because they're upset with Louis? They're upset with the way those videos were given to him. They're upset those videos didn't follow the chain of the command. They're upset maybe that he stepped in front of them and got through the revolving door from this, well, basically high-level government job, mid-level government management position, and parlayed that into what could possibly be a lucrative uh, career in show business. I'm starting to think that every time they see Louie's picture on the History Channel, their blood starts to boil a little bit because they think, that could have been me. I think maybe Louie's been a little too successful with these videos, and that's where some of this anger comes from. 
But you notice nobody's asking here, how did Louis get those videos? And nobody's complaining about it, really. Oh, there's some veiled complaints. But I think a lot of these guys are sitting back there and they're just thinking to themselves, man, I would like to take a trip on the UFO speaking circuit, make ten, twenty thousand $20,000 for a speaking engagement or an appearance on the History Channel or the Discovery Channel. Honestly, that's what I think. Now, maybe I'm just being a conspiracy theorist here, but I think that Louie's getting some serious pushback from people down in the bowels of those deep states because he has legally, obviously, otherwise they would have locked him up already, but somehow, he must be a pretty talented guy, he walked the tightrope, kind of like Super Mario. I mean, he just walked it, baby, right over the flames, those three videos in hand, Posted those bad boys on YouTube, and the next thing you know, boom. There's Louie on the History Channel. Got his own TV series. Successfully parlaying this government gig into a very successful entertainment career. Gotta hand it to the guy. I gotta respect that. Now he goes on here, he says, uh, this is Louie talking, his response to the Black Vault. He says, this response is clearly a vindictive effort by some of the Pentagon to inflict retribution on myself and others for speaking the truth to the American people. It's a failure for any real journalist to not recognize this is the eighth time. He's correct. Eight times under the bus. This is the eighth time the government has changed their position on this matter in the last three years. Even, a contra- even contradicting their previous official statements. There are numerous senior, former, and current government officials who have stated for the record my role in ATIP to include the Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid, the ATIP program sponsor, Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence Christopher Mellon, the Secretary of Defense's own press secretary Dana White, numerous senior scientists, contract personnel, and even existing members of the task force to name only a few. What is intriguing is that despite the overwhelming evidence and documentation that exists at both the classified and the unclassified levels, the government continues to deny information that is easily verifiable. In essence, calling all of these individuals liars is not only despicable, but duplicative and should cause one to wonder whether there is a real conspiracy to hide the truth to which we are privy. For those individuals who remain vindictive and untruthful, they will eventually be held accountable for their actions. Well, I can respect Louis's, uh how shall we say, positive attitude about this, as far as people being held accountable for their actions. Personally, I hold no such views. At best, what will probably happen is some of these people who are doing this may at some point step through the revolving door with their own a bundle of videos, and we'll be treated to some more UFO videos. That would be awesome. And, you know, I think that at a certain level, um, the fame and the money involved with being uh, with with being the people that release this stuff might be enough to induce some disclosure. But as far as the real uh, meat and bones of this stuff, you know, things like free energy or uh, time travel, or or bending gravity. I think that stuff's going to be uh, buried so far 
down in the underground vault that we're just probably never going to know about it until they decide to use it on us. That would be my guess. And then it goes on here, it says, to again ensure accuracy and verify that the Navy properly presented the, the current DoD stance, as rumors have circulated, the DoD was possibly changing its position on Elizondo's rule in ATIP. The Black Vault reached out again to the Pentagon to clarify regarding Elizondo and the ATIP program. The department's position was not changed, has not changed. Elizondo had no assigned responsibility for ATIP while he was in the OUSDI, said Gao in another email dated July 31st, 2020. Well, if you want to know what gaslighting is, you can either look up the definition or you can look at this for your definition. That's like when some we already know that he was a head of head of ATEP and now this put Pentagon spokesperson who remember I featured on Twitter. Yeah, you can go to UFO Warning or you can go to check it out at Warning Sub UFO. And remember, I posted the link there to Miss Gow or Goff or however you say her name. I think she's got like an advanced degree in psyops. So you're not talking to the receptionist. Let's just get that straight. I'm talking to a very serious individual here. And if I was Louie, I don't know. Let's just say I wouldn't cross her up. Fact goes on, it says, the question then becomes if the Navy will not consider a statement from their current spokesperson or former DOD employee who says he directed the program, who will be allowed to offer up testimony they would take. Regardless of the answer to the above, there is one takeaway from the appeal letter that is easily missed. After the Navy dismisses their own spokesperson along with the testimony of Elizondo, they say one thing that ultimately shuts down the entire effort to gain access to documents, photographs, videos, or whatever else the Navy supplied. ATIP. ATIP, quote, ATIP was disbanded in 2012, and therefore any records you seek, if they ever existed, may have been permanently transferred, destroyed, or otherwise no longer able to be located by the IDA, Initial Denial Authority. Or maybe they just bleach-bitted them like they do emails in Washington. Maybe someone took a hammer and smashed them up. Who knows? In other words, given the assumption records did exist based on the testimony outlined in the appeal, they are just gone. Whether the evidence has been shredded into millions of pieces of confetti, or it all has been moved to an undisclosed location that the Navy will not identify, they simply are not there in the eyes of the FOIA. As the article continues, Elizondo reaffirmed this week to the Black Vault that the Navy did in fact supply ATIP information of some kind, but he added, I cannot comment or elaborate on the nature and type of information ATIP provided to ATIP during my tenure. Whoa! This is Louis Elizondo, okay. Could this be one of the reasons he keeps getting thrown under the bus? And doesn't... I don't know. But what does he say? The Black Vault... Elizondo reaffirmed this week to the Black Vault that the Navy did in fact supply ATIP information of some kind, but added, quote, I cannot comment nor elaborate on the nature and type of information provided to ATIP during my tenure. 
but would that would that type of information be videotapes or digital bricks showing three say particular encounters F-18s had with UFOs say back in 2004 and 2015 would that have been a possibility? I mean, I have to wonder. Now, why would this all be a clue? Well, in May of 2019, just after documentation was leaked by KLS-TV, investigative journalist George Knapp, that showed how the Pentagon videos were released to the public, later shown to be likely misreported, a request was filed by the Black Vault to the Navy for the three videos, labeled as FLIR Gimbal, identified on the form as Gim- Gimbal, spelled with an E, and GoFast, this was the FOIA case, Don Navy 219-00-6391. Now hang on a second here. Class TV investigative journalist George Knapp that showed how the Pentagon videos were quote-unquote released to the public. We, we didn't see how they were released. We were told that they were given to the New York Times and that they in turn gave them to Louis Elizondo. That's nothing. We don't have any names with that. We have a newspaper that hates Trump who actively tried to push a, a, an illegal coup and have him thrown out of office with the, with the completely phony Russia investigation. The New York Times paper of record? can't believe a word these guys say. And they end up with stuff that we were told was classified, then not classified, but then it's somewhere in a gray zone. They got the videos and then gave them to Louie, and George broke that. That's nothing. I mean, okay, it's something. We found out that the New York Times was a conduit, but we don't know who gave them to the New York Times. That's not helping. That's like breaking a water gate without breaking the plumbing crew. It's anonymous. Nobody gets in trouble. Nobody gets questioned. Maybe just one person gets thrown under a bus seven or eight times because his co-workers are mad at him because he made all the fame and glory and money. I don't know. Man, you got to wonder. The whole thing just stinks. It goes on here. It says, The response from the Navy just two weeks later, the request, was needed, the request needed to be filed to the OSD to access the video and obtain a release. It's pretty obvious to me that they're trying to get the genie back in the bottle. If you ask them questions... FOIA stuff here that they don't see as an immediate threat or they don't see that they, that they need to answer that question in order to control the narrative, then you might be two or three years before you get a response. But if you ask them something, especially publicly, where people are going like, hey, what's going on here? Hey, I think these UFOs are real. Then all of a sudden, these guys are getting responses from four hours to two weeks. Now, they're not doing that because they're great public servants, Okay. They're doing that because it serves their interest. They're trying to put this fire out, man. That's what I see. I mean, they're seeing they're seeing a little brush fire here. Now, whether that's just the brush fire in in the, in in their regard that somebody uh, let some videos escape that they didn't personally profit from or benefit from, and they're angry about that, or whether they're afraid the same avenue might be used to release more information, and at some point somebody might actually get something that counts. You know, they might lose control of this thing. They might lose control of the narrative. And if you've lost control of the narrative in the USA Today, then you've lost. 
period. We've solved this with the with 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 this whole scamdemic that's been going on for friggin' five months now. They want that narrative. They got to control that narrative because ninety percent of the people out there just believe what they're told. So what I'm seeing here is major, major attempts at narrative control. It goes on and says. The request was immediately refiled to OSD under FOIA case 19F1231. The response from OSD a month after that, the request was forwarded to the Navy for a response. A phone call was made to the Pentagon to show the FOIA effort to get the FLIR 1, Gimbal, and GoFast videos was becoming a ping-pong match. Bouncing around back and forth between the two agencies, the answer that was given was that the Navy did not have the videos and through the first FOIA case determined OSD did. Well, maybe you could ask Louis Elizondo who had the original videos. Maybe he'd have a clue. I don't know. But do you see what's going on? It's like a shell game. He calls it a ping pong game. It's more like three-card money to me. Man, you think it's here, then you think it's there, then you think it's over there. It's, it's a game of deception. That should be very clear to everybody. The reason OSD bounced it back to the Navy was that OSD could not determine if the videos could be released since they were not their own videos. Rather, OSD sent videos it had in its possession to the Navy for the review. This is what is called the Original Classifying Authority, or OCA. Well, the Original Classifying Authority didn't seem to mean spit when those three videos were given to the New York Times, did it? Why is it so important now? It is the OCA that needs to make the decision if a record can be released. Navy, video, Navy videos equals Navy decision. That therein lies the possible clue. The three videos released in April by the Navy are Navy videos, hence why it was the Navy that released them through N-A-V-A-I-R, NAVAR, I guess, NAVAR. However, what the original FOIA case, Don Navy 2019-00639, proved was that even though those videos were Navy records, the Navy did not have them in their possession. They were permanently transferred. Reference the appeal letter language to OSD. And there they sat until the Black Vault got the Pentagon to find them and forward them to proper OCA for declassification. Well, why wasn't that any of that necessary when they were clandestinely given to the New York Times? Why can't we get a FOIA request about how the Navy videos went from the Navy to the OCA to the New York Times? That would be very interesting. The Black Vault received the final determination for this string of FOIA request approximately one hour after Navar released the videos on their website. That's got to be like a world record. The end result was a full grant of my FOIA request and a link to the videos was provided in the letter. The Black Vault spent nearly a year working on these cases to secure the release of the three videos. Well, I guess at some point somebody started asking the same question that I did. How did those things get to the New York Times and how do we put this fire out? Because we got this Greenwald guy sending his FOIA request up one side and down the other. And maybe, maybe somewhere in those thousands of pages of documents, somebody will be exposed. Some program will be exposed. Something will be exposed that we don't want exposed. So let's just put this fire out and get those stupid videos out there and be done with it. Unfortunately for them, the FOIAs kept coming. It says, 
Yes, they were part of Navy resource material. However, the nature with which they were obtained, I am unable to comment. Other than that, they were through official channels. What? That just stinks, in my opinion. You can't comment on it, but it was through official channels. If it was through official channels, then wouldn't it have been recorded? Transparent channels. Where there would be some accountability. But no. These videos got a big cloud around them, man. They were transferred the same way the other ones were transferred. To the New York Times. In a cloud of dust. Under the cover of darkness. Now shut up and go back to sleep. It goes on and says, If the above is true, what other material may have suffered the same fate at the Navy, but is just waiting to be discovered at the OSD? Well, please won't you tell us. Didn't Tom DeLonge came out and say that he had metamaterial from UFOs, from private sources and others, and government sources? Let's just come clean on this stuff. Let's just come clean on it. Who's got what? More UAP videos. Despite the alleged absence of material sent to ATIP by the Navy, the Black Vault also pursued the video designation of unidentified per unidentified aerial phenomena that was given to the FLIR-1 gimbal and go-fast videos in a much more broader sense. After the official release of the videos by the Navy in April of 2020, the Black Vault filed FOIA case Don Navy 2020-00-7226, which asked for the other videos with the same UAP designation within the Navy's holdings in the government record research realm. A general rule of thumb is, if there is one, in this case three, then there are three more. Therefore, the intel was to discover, and the intent was to discover additional videos or list them that revealed what else was there. Their official response was a pushback that represents one of the biggest conundrums in the FOIA process. In a letter dated July 15, 2020, the Navy shot the request down. Quote, we are unable to process your FOIA request in accordance with 32 CFR. 286.5a, a requester is required to reasonably describe the record sought and provide sufficient detail to enable personnel to locate those records with a reasonable amount of effort. Well, there you go. Now, the person that would be able to do that appears to be Louis Elizondo, but he ain't talking. He ain't talking. Here's a conundrum. It is known that the designation of unidentified aerial phenomena exists. It was revealed by the Black Vault in September of 2019, well before the Navy officially released the videos. They made comment on the leaked versions designations, designating them UAP. However, the Navy said that on this request, seeking other videos with the same designation, it did not reasonably describe the record sought. Apparently, a date, time, location, branch of the Navy, etc., are all required for the Navy to process this specific request, seeking other UAP videos and appeals being pursued. Well, what did they tell you about controlling the verbiage. You change the name from UFO to UAP, and then you can tell any curious George out there to take his FOIA request and put it in the circular file. Because when you control the language, you control the narrative, and when you control the narrative, you pretty much control everything. I've been saying that since I started this podcast. It goes on and says... This all may sound confusing, convoluted, and frustrating, and it is. No, doesn't to me, John. Not, not in the least. Not if, not when you take a look at the LinkedIn profiles of the people you're dealing with and find out that they've got master's degrees in psyops. 
Not when you look at the folks that you think are mistaken, you find out they've been, they've been working for the Department of Defense for 30 years. Not when you find out that half of these players have been in and out of the revolving door from Defense Department employees to defense company workers and back again. Not when you find out that some of these cats have got PhDs and subjects we can hardly even imagine. Not when you consider the fact that people like Ben Rich were so smart and had technology so advanced that they had to retrain the engineers in order to understand it. Now, we're not dealing with confused dummies. We're dealing with extremely intelligent people that probably have access to futuristic materials and knowledge. So no, I'm not confused. I know where I stand. I'm like that poor old Native American using a rock to try to cut through some hide with. And on the shore I see that wooden ship with three masts. What in the world is that? And pretty soon I run into these guys and they have these really fascinating fire sticks. They've got a knife that's made out of something that my knife's not made out of, and it cuts really good. That's the level that I'm at. You see, I understand these people have got their hands on something, and we're still using sticks and rocks. They've got it over on us. Now, whether they've been able to reverse engineer this stuff or not, we have to hope not. Maybe some of it has been. A lot of people think that's been reverse engineered to, to make things like microwaves and cell phones. I don't know. I think that would be way too. I think that I think we're giving I think we're giving them too much credit at that rate. But I think they've got something, and I think they know what they've got. Blows the doors off of anything that we've got. So just having videos of it creates a problem. Just having the knowledge that it exists creates a competition for the stuff that they've got buried 10 stories underground out in the desert somewhere that we're never going to get to see. So no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not confused. A little frustrated, but I have to let that frustration go. I mean, why be frustrated about things you can't control? It says, though, do not be too dismayed by what you just read. Despite the hardships and conundrums of the FOIA process, the Black Vault's pursuit of the ATIP truth is far from over. The Black Vault has been told UFO-related documents were destroyed in the past, and although it took 17 full years, the Black Vault finally found them. Through research, determination, and never saying never, the ATIP truth will be sought after by the same means, no matter how long it may take. Well, my hat's off to them. They do fantastic research. I mean, they're light years ahead, they're light years ahead of me in what these guys have accomplished, and I've got nothing but total respect for them. Now... The podcast has gone on a little bit longer than what I wanted it to, so I'm not going to get into the second article we have published there, and that comes from September 19th, I think, September of last year, and that where the uh, DoD spokesman talks about those three videos. Uh, we may get into that a little bit tomorrow or the next day. You can go through and read it. The main reason I put that up there is I wanted to demonstrate what Greenwald was saying here was true. You can see the 180 that's happened. A year ago... It was all it, it it was all rainbow lemonade and unicorn stew, whatever they say, however that saying goes. It was happy dance time. The DOD was doing a happy dance. Yeah, Louie's not a bad guy. Yeah, we got these videos. Yeah, they're a threat, man. But it seems like maybe 
Maybe people didn't take these things as a threat that they thought they were going to take them to. You know, when you lock people up in your house for six months over an imaginary virus, okay, I shouldn't say imaginary, over a overrated virus, and you blame it for every flu death, and you blame it for things like car wrecks and cancer and whatnot. When you when you when the government engages in that kind of full blown deception, as they take the, take away the basic rights of the people that they were there to serve, you break the trust, man. And all of a sudden, those people that might have believed you a year ago when you told them, "Yeah, these things are dangerous. We gotta we need a half a trillion dollars to protect ourselves against these things," they might have went along with that. But after you lie to their face and lock them up for six months and tell them they can't go to church. They can't have birthday parties. I don't know what. Maybe a million people have had to die alone because, oh, we can't can't have them in there with the COVIDs. The COVID's on. When you create that kind of human suffering, don't expect them to believe you on anything like a UFO. Especially when you've renamed that UFO and then told them they can't have the papers they're looking for because that magic new name does not exist. Hey, if you like the program, go over to Anchor. You can become a sponsor on a monthly basis. It really helps out. You can also do a follow on Twitter. That helps out. And you can leave a good review on one of the podcast platforms you found this on. Until next time, this is UFO Warning. Over and out.